This is Eastman's Elevated Podcast. I have on great guests that are really knowledgeable, consistently successful. We're able to dive deep down the rabbit holes of these different subject matters of shooting, of physical fitness, of mental toughness and drive. All the different skills that make up a complete hunter that you can become. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So um, this week on the podcast, um, just released one with um, Josh Kinzer. So that one should be out to you guys. And then going to record this solo episode, kind of recap some of the Hawaii hunting. Um, it's just awesome spot and stock action. And experience is just the best teacher out there. And so uh, definitely pick up. Um, some knowledge and some experience going out there and then just really tough critters to hunt. So I just want to share my insight with you guys, um, hopefully make you better here for the coming season. So I just want to thank a couple sponsors. I want to thank Everly Stock. So I've been using Everly Stock for the last few years. Um, they have a different pack for all your different needs. So the kite pack is a great day pack. I use that for day hunting and overnights. In fact, I just used it over in Hawaii and worked really good. I can stalk and hunt with it on, but also uh, it's burly enough to help pack out the weight if I kill something. So use that kite pack. Uh, they actually have a kite 4,800 that I'm using this year that I'm really stoked on. Um, they have their, uh, uh, the, the destroyer pack and the destroyer pack is something that I'll use for expedition trips. That kite 4800 will almost take the place of that as it's a touch lighter and minimalist setup and still packs the weight good. Um, and then I also like the little big top. I'll use that for like three to four days, something like that. So, uh, yeah, they pack the weight good, super durable and just a well-made pack. So if you guys are in the market for a new pack, make sure to go check them out over at Everly stock. And um, also, I want to thank Cryptech. Cryptech has put together the best technical gear system for me from from early season to late season that I've ever had. Uh, really impressed by their gear. So I'm trying out some new stuff this year. I've been using their Sonoran hoodie and their Sonoran pants for my early season. Uh, I just picked up a new hoodie um, that I'm really pumped on. It's um, I think it's going to be... Uh, a good hoodie for hot weather. Uh, it's called the Garden Banks hoodie, uh, and they have that in that transitional pattern. And that obscure transitional pattern, I think, is one of the best patterns out there. I think it really gives me an advantage uh, as it just blends in with greens, blends in with tans, like the stuff I hunt out west. And um, I seem to just disappear from sight with that stuff on. Uh, also trying out their Moab pants. Uh, so we'll try those for early season. But yeah, all the way from early to late season, uh, puffy pants, puffy jackets. So they have good insulating layers, great rain jackets, uh, just a great system all around and a great camo pattern. So if you're in the market for some new camo, make sure to check them out at Cryptech. And uh, also check out Black Ovis, some great deals. They have some great gear as well. Uh, everything for your next hunt. And then you can save 10% if you put in the promo code ELEVATED10. And uh, check out Camo Fire as well. And um, everything we're doing over at Eastman's. Uh, of course, we've got the, the Mule Deer course. You get the kill kit. Just put in the promo code BRIANMDC. And you'll get Black Ovis bags, which I think are the best bags going. Uh, uh, a... Uh, Outdoor Edge Knife, which is a burly knife, um, a replaceable blade, so it's always sharp. And you also get 10% off, so it makes it a deal on that um, on that Mule Deer course, so check that out. And um, yeah, in Dan and I's podcast, uh, uh, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Life of a Bow Hunter. Really proud of how those episodes are coming out. I, they're just full of great bow hunting information. So definitely binge on those here before season. Uh, and you may have to listen to him a couple times or take notes, but, uh, it's a bunch of information. It's everything Dan and I have learned over the last 25, 30 years of bow hunting. And, um, man, we just have like a, a really good chemistry too, where it's just like everyone is a great podcast. So check those out as well. And with that, let's get into this solo, uh, right on. I really enjoy sitting down and sharing these solos with you guys as, um, 
yeah, I'm really able to share some insight into hunting and then um, just share what drives me or what fuels me. So uh, it's been a busy summer. Um, just poured concrete this morning, uh, poured a big slab. I was at the Eastman's office yesterday, did about eight or 10 hours of driving for a day full of meetings. We also recorded a live podcast, Dan and I did. So uh, it was a good trip and good to catch up with those guys. It had been a month or two since I had been back there. So that's always good. But yeah, just getting back from this Hawaii trip, that's amazing. Uh, just so fortunate to have like such good friends out there that I just really like to spend time with. And um, man, and they just, uh, uh, they're always so giving and um, always make sure that I have a good trip. Like they go out of their way to make sure I have a good trip. And uh, I know everybody's lives are busy. And so I just, uh, man, I really appreciate it. And um, always just like uh, fun hanging with buddies and joking around and laughing. So um, yeah, um, my buddy Sean picked me up stayed at his house for a couple nights and then um yeah then we rolled over to a different island hunted mouflon sheep and then came back stayed with my buddy rob met up with my buddy janus hunted with him as well and um like i say all these guys will just uh, reach out and help me out made some um some new friends there as well um guys that i hadn't met that were friends with my friends and so uh fun to hunt with those guys as well and you know, they just, they know that country have such good spots to hunt. And I'm really learning from those guys. Like they have so much experience over there. And like I say, these great hunting locations that they share with me and, um, they're just diehard bow hunters, you know? And so it's the same as like, uh, having them on the podcast, like our conversations always center around, um, bow hunting and, uh, around self-improvement and, uh, gear and things of that nature. And those guys are always so crafty. So yeah. I uh, got my work done. It's kind of a stressful time to leave as I got so much going on. Um, but I did. I booked the flights and then just made it happen, got things done, and um, left the guys with stuff to do, and uh, they were able to manage while I was gone, and I'm so glad I did. Like, those trips are, I just come back a different person. And it's why, it's why this hunting, it's why these adventures are so important to us guys is like, man, you go on these and you, you come back in, invigorated. Like you come back, like just charging at work and at family. And, um, it, it really is such a great reset. Like I, I leave and I, you know, I don't think much will change when I get back, <clears throat> but it always does. Like I almost come back a changed person and I'm just so thankful for such a great adventure. It's such like a, you know, so fortunate for the life I get to live and for these adventures I get to go on and and this one was just amazing so it's always really stressful before you leave for a hunt it's always like there's a ton to get done and I've gotten better over the years to just kind of know my mind or know my brain and know that I'm you know I'm stressed out because of all the things I'm trying to get done so when I get there I can actually enjoy myself so I've gotten better at just handling things and being productive with my time and making sure, you know, working mornings or evenings or whatever it is, working hard during the day, making sure I'm in front of things, I've got materials ordered for the guys, just to make sure that that everything goes smoothly when I'm gone. You know, I also had, like, issues. We just finished a home for a homeowner, and, uh, yeah, there was a, a, you know, just, like, just just homeowner building stuff, you know. It's like there's always a punch list at the end or there's always a few things here or there. And so, any, you know, it's like I'm always dealing with uh, uh, some sort of stressful item, you know, or some sort of uh, stressful task that needs to be done. But, but no big deal. It's like I've been through enough of them now where it's, you know, I just know not to get too worked up and I'll work it out and get back to them. And, and, and just like that, you know, it's like I was able to work things out while I was out there or towards the end of the trip or when I came back and meet with them and, you know, everything's fine, work out everything. But it's always so stressful before you go. You, I almost think, is it even worth it? I should just sit here in my normal life and take care of things and I wouldn't have to deal with the stress. So you, I almost think that way, but every time I go, it is totally worth it. And this was the adventure of a lifetime. It is just such great bow hunting out there. Um, so I show up and, um, yeah, start hunting with, um, uh, my buddy Sean, he's got a great spot lined up for me and, um, it's a great spot because it has a bunch of access, but it's also 
like a like a big spot like you can really roam you can really go hike and cover country and it's a mix of um, super thick stuff you can't even make your way through to dark timber that you can kind of hunt your way through to sparsely open to wide open. Uh, so a bunch of different habitats to hunt. And so just dialing in these axis deer. And again, these guys have, you know, places lined up where they've been hunting and shooting deer. And so, you know, they can kind of steer me in the right direction. But yeah, we um, we split up. Let me see. I think. Sean shot a nice buck maybe the first night or two we were out there. Uh, I ended up shooting a really nice buck, um, just hunting the thicks in there. And, um, you know, I, I really want to hold out for a good buck. But um, Sean told me that, uh, you know, they need to take out deer in this area and that, you know, shoot does. And, um, you know, if it's a medium buck, shoot it. It's not a big deal. And I, I actually passed on a buck and took video of him. And I, I wasn't, like, the goal has always been to shoot a 30-inch axis. A 30 is what's considered a trophy axis or a giant by those guys. Like, any time they kill a 30, like, it's a, it's a big buck. And I have a bunch of bucks that I'm really proud of. Um, you know, I've got a 27 and a half. I've got two 29s. So they're, like, right on the limit. But the goal this time was to kill a 30. And I'm just getting better at judging them, better at hunting them. So I did pass a pretty good buck. Um, you know, I, I passed a pretty good buck the one night, and uh, he was right there at 30. I took video of him, and Sean knew the buck, and uh, he told me that that buck probably went 30, so I probably should have shot him, you know. And um, But I took video. He was fighting with another buck, and I just felt like he was right there on the line, like maybe 29 again or uh, maybe make 30. But um, I know there's bigger bucks in there, and I had days to hunt him. But I did end up killing, uh, you know, after I passed that buck, Sean's like, man, you should just shoot a medium or you get a chance at a buck or a doe, you know, you should just shoot it and uh, get some meat and get a buck down. And so uh, the next day I took his advice and I was hunting through the thicks and it's, I think it's my closest bow shot. So I was hunting through the thicks. It was just amazing, like uh, just slipping my way through. And the deal with this is, is like axis deer really improve my skill sets, my still hunting skill sets and my stalking skill sets. And still hunting, it pretty much is stalking. Like still hunting, you think there's game in there, and so you're moving really slow and glassing in front of you, and you have to see these animals first. And these axes are so switched on that the minute you lose focus you end up busting deer. And so you may hunt for two hours and not see a deer, but you have to continue to hunt slow, methodically, uh, be quiet, glass in front of me. Like you have to continually do all these things. And the moment you lose focus, you bust the deer, and that might be the only deer you get a chance at. So definitely showed up the first couple days and I was tuned in. You know, I knew the knew the game and knew what I had to do to get in close to these things and knew I had to keep my focus. But I... I dip into this thick cover, and um, Sean told me a couple spots I could kind of dive in, and he said, oh, this this spot's kind of thick, but there's some deer in there. So I dove in there. I heard one calling in there, and it's the beautiful thing about axis is they remind me of hunting elk. Like, they call, and um, when you hear them call, like, the the, the more raspy, uh, the bigger the buck, like you can kind of tell size by the call and you can hear a buck and then it's just a matter of working into him. And so I heard a buck call and I dove in the thicks and instantly I get in there and I'm hunting through and, you know, I'll kill a doe and, and bring it home for meat for sure. But I don't want to start the hunt with killing a doe. Like I'll kind of wait till later in the night because I want to hunt through here and see if I can get on one of those big bucks. Like I want a big 30 so bad. Uh, you know, I've probably made six trips out there. I don't know how many trips I've made out there. Um, such good friends. They host me all the time. And so I've had like a lot of chances to hunt axis deer, but those giants just elude me. And my, my buddies are such good hunters. Like they come up with thirties. They've killed a couple this season and, um, you know, they've killed them while I'm there. Uh, they're just really good axis hunters, and they're really good bow hunters in general, like uh, hunting western game. Now, they're so dialed into western game, and it's one of their funnest things, uh, or uh, one of their uh, things they look forward to the most is coming out to the States and doing adventures out here. And um, so definitely, you know, uh, I, I try to 
be as um, gracious and helpful as I can when they're coming out here, try to help them with logistics or whatever the case is. And now those guys are pretty dialed out here. Like I think Rob left a rig here. He barged it over here. He's got a storage unit. He keeps his stuff like these guys are dialed from the States and they kill things in the States. We did a deer hunt last year, late season. And I think, um, I think Sean was really close to Aaron a buck or, um, uh, and I had hunted with Janus, and then Janus arrowed a buck in the late season, you know, just deep snow, big mountains, and arrowed a good buck. So that was super cool. Uh, but yeah, Rob killed a bull last year. Uh, Sean killed a bull. Janus had a chance at a bull. Like these guys are killing deer and elk every year. So they're really good hunters. They're, they're able to like transfer their skill set into other species and other habitats, which I think is like the key to being a, a good, well versed bow hunter is like being able to go into these different places and figure them out and dial them in and be able to figure out these different species. Um, so anyways, I dive into this thick, I can hear this one calling and I just start slipping through this dark timber in there. And, and, you know, at times I can see 40, 50 yards at times I can only see 10 yards, but I'm trying to be quiet, make sure my pack doesn't scrape against branches and just slipping in there. And all of a sudden I catch this buck. And this buck's close. He's like, I don't know, maybe 20 yards away. And it's it's just a little one, you know. And so I let him feed there, and I kind of sneak off, and I let him be, and I catch a doe in front of me. And, you know, I don't quite want to shoot her this early in the day. You know, if you shoot a doe, you have to pack it out, get it to a cooler with ice. Like in Hawaii, you know, it it's 70, 80 degrees. Well, it's, it's their summer right now. So it's in the eighties, but meat just can't make it more than a couple hours out there. So you have to get meat back to a cooler with ice. So I just dipped in there. So I didn't shoot the dough, kept hunting and just slipping in through there, through the dark forest. I hear this one calling in front of me and I keep getting closer and closer. And pretty soon I see these antlers and they pick up and it's right in front of me. Like right in front of me, like two yards in front of me, three yards in front of me. Like I know it was less than 10 feet. It was probably somewhere six to eight feet, but he's behind this big bushel of grass and he picks up his horns and looks around and then goes back to feeding and he doesn't know I'm there. And I can only see the tops of his antlers and they look pretty good to me, you know, like it's a good solid buck. And um, he's right there, and so I kind of like, I'm able to kneel down. I can't see his face. All I can see is his horns, and I'm able to kneel down. And I kneel there, and then all of a sudden this buck, like I'm there for like a minute or so, and um, all of a sudden he starts to move out to my right, and he walks out, and so I draw as he's coming out, and he's just right in front of me. He's like six to eight feet. He is so close. And he walks out, and I put my pin. I'm kind of waiting for him to stop, and he doesn't stop. He just keeps walking, and he's going to walk through my window. And so, you know, I, I put the pin where it needed to be and pull on my shot and uh, break my shot and hit that thing, you know, so close. It was like all my pins are on him. It um, it wasn't a tough shot, but he was moving. And, um, yeah, and he, he bolts, and um, some deer explode out of there or whatever, and— um, you know, I watch him disappear in this little spot, and um, so I give him a minute or two, and just walking up, and I'm just looking for blood. And these axis, they do not bleed that well. They're, you know, they don't have like a bunch of hydration or a bunch of water in them. They're a bit dehydrated, and they just don't bleed very good. And so yeah, I'm looking for the arrow. Of course, the arrow shot through and probably went another hundred yards behind him. I was so close, uh, but I'm just looking for blood, and I, I kind of just walk up and I'm just looking around like 10 yards around where that buck was for blood and um gosh I catch him to my right and he stands up and he's hurt pretty bad like I'm sure he's gonna die within a few minutes or whatever but I put another one in him right there and and um harvested that buck which was super cool that was like the start of the trip I think my second day hunting and um one of my closest bow shots if not my closest so it was super cool uh, butcher the buck, carry him to the road. And, uh, I think I'm going to have to pack him to the truck. And right about then I get a message from Sean and he's like, Hey, I got a doe down. I got to make it back to the truck. Um, do you have a deer down? You know, where he says, uh, you know, so he was checking with me. He thought I probably had a deer down and, uh, he was right. I had a buck down. And so I'm like, yeah, yeah, I just killed one. And I had, I'd walked a mile from the truck or not too far away, but, um, far enough to where I was going to have to make my way back to the truck and put this buck on ice or whatever. And, 
uh, but he said he had bring in a deer. And so I just flashed him a, a picture of the meat hanging in a tree and sent him a pin. And then he drove down and picked it up and I dove back in the thicks hunting, you know? And so, uh, got back in there and kept hunting and those axis deer, they're just such a riot, man. They're really switched on. And then, um, just such a cool species, the way they call and the way their antlers are. And he was a nice buck that I shot. I, um, I didn't put a tape on that one, but he was probably like, probably like a 27 or something like that. Just a nice, decent one. And so I have access meat to bring home for the family. Like the trip is a success. I mean, it would be anyways. I don't have to kill anything to make it a success, but just this thrilling close encounter with this access buck. It was just super cool. And, um, so yeah, then, um, you know, we finish off and we have some other close calls and, um, yeah, chase them around. We only had like a couple days and then maybe like a day or two. Yeah, two days, I think. And then um, we're headed over to uh, another island to go chase um, mouflon sheep. And um, this is the whole point of the trip. Like these mouflon sheep are super cool. And we have this group that we've put together that hunts this mouflon sheep together. And so, um, you know, uh, uh, David Wise and Remy Warren and, um, and my three buddies and me. And then, um, you know, there's always uh, another guy or two in the mix, but, uh, that's been our crew. Well, this year, uh, Remy and David couldn't make it out. So it was us three. And, you know, the, the year prior had been absolutely insane because they had closed down the ram hunting for a couple of years due to COVID. And, um, so the, the, the Rams populations had exploded. And so, you know, last year was some of the best Ram hunting I had ever seen. It was just action. And I arrowed a really good Ram, but it, it's just really special. It's like, um, you know, this Island is hot and dry and arid, uh, but the lava rock canyons are so gnarly. Like, uh, uh, you know, I found a ram one night and I just had to cross the gulch and come above him. It's like this perfect play. And I could not figure out how to get across that gulch. And I'm not scared of the steep. I'm not scared of cliffs. I made two different approaches down and got cliffed out at the bottom. Like I could not cross that gulch. Um, so it's like these these really gnarly lava rock canyons, gnarly country. And it's, it's fairly wide open, at least where I was hunting. Like you can hunt them in more of the thicks up top or some more of the timber trees. And there are rams that refuge in there, but the country that I'm hunting is wide open, like Western hunting, like hunting mule deer. And then, you know, it's like, I've always loved sheep, but you just don't get that many chances to hunt them, especially, you know, when I, I, I put in for tags across the United States, like I'd love to draw a desert, a bighorn, a California bighorn. I just love the extreme country they live in. And I, I always get fired up to hunt new species. But these, you know, my Hawaiian buddies have introduced me into these axe or these um, mouflon sheep and they're not a tame sheep or um, something like that. Like that doesn't really get me too fired up as like some of these tame ones, but, um, these mouflon are like this, this sheep that, uh, uh, came from Corsica was introduced to the Hawaiian islands. And, and I think there's only like a couple huntable populations of these sheep, but these mouflon sheep are just wild. They're like teeny tiny, man. They're like way, I don't know. Rams got away like maybe 50, 60 pounds and ewes are probably like 40 pounds. Like they are super small. You're hunting them, and you you almost envision them bigger than they are, but they're way smaller than a than a coos deer, anything I've hunted. So they're they're like this small species, but then you know the rams have these crazy curls on them, and they go back and come back in and um, kind of turn towards themselves. Like you'll have to look at my Instagram and look at a picture of them, uh, but they're just this wild sheep, and they are like honestly the most switched on animal I have ever hunted. I, I just, I can't get over these things. And I, I've hunted them multiple times and I've been fortunate to harvest some rams, but man, these things eyesight is just absolutely incredible. It's like, um, it's better than antelope eyes. Like, and they live in this open habitat and they are so good at catching you. And so, you know, I was talking about focus on those axis deer and how you can't lose focus. It's like these mouflon sheep, you're hunting this giant country, steep lava rock canyons, uh, but it's open country. So these mouflon sheep blend in really good. And so 
If you just go trucking across a hillside, guarantee there's a mouflon sheep that sees you and spooks up the whole mountainside and you never get a chance at them. Like, man, you've got to be so focused and disciplined with your glassing and every time you come up over a rise, glassing it. And when you come up to, like, like uh, you know, I like hunting these 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 big canyons, you know, the, the steeper the canyon, the bigger the canyon, the more mouflon's going to be in there is, is my thinking. And also like the furthest I can get away from the roads and the access points, the better the mouflon hunting is. And so, uh, like a lot of times I take off towards the ocean or, uh, you know, I cross these big canyons and, um, you know, again, this is like, um, this is public hunting where you have, you know, other hunters that are gunning for them, you know, other local guys. And, you know, this is a big deal for these guys. And so guys go hard. And so any way I can separate myself, I do, but, um, yeah, they just such a cool species. So switched on. Like I had this, you know, I had multiple encounters and, I tell you, it's just, it's just dang tough. Like I create opportunities and I'm really good. You know, I'm clutch when I get opportunities, but these sheep are so good at catching me that, you know, I just find myself like, uh, I find myself, you know, getting busted or having situations that don't work out where if that was a mule deer and elk, it would be dead. Like I, I just, um, you know, I, I really try to be clutch on these things, but I almost have to, uh, focus in, like, like even harder, like when I'm working across hillsides, making sure I'm stopping and glassing, making sure I'm not going to get caught by a sheep. And then when I get a stock on these things, it's like absolutely no shortcuts. Like I have got to do everything in my power to keep concealed and I cannot give away my position or give up the element of surprise. And it's so difficult. And, and it's one of the reasons why I love hunting these sheep. Um, they're just so fun. And, and it's so enjoyable to like actually get to hunt sheep like we just don't you know us us blue collar guys we just don't get many opportunities at them so um and I start hunting sheep and um it is off the hook like um it's tougher hunting the populations are down like um they really hunted them hard and had a bunch of extended rifle seasons last year and um, you know, the, the numbers are down for sure. Drought on the Island, like, uh, there's a bunch of different, uh, factors that play into it. And so there's using lambs, but the Rams are quite a bit tougher to find. But, um, I turn up a, a good three quarter curl, uh, that one across the Canyon I was telling you guys about. So I glassed him up and, um, yeah, I tried to cross that Canyon a couple different ways down below them and end up burning the whole evening hunt, trying to get across those draws. And there was no way below them. And as I walked back, I walked up the Canyon, kept myself concealed from the Rams in case I was going to go for them the next day. And, you know, everybody, I thought I should go for that Ram the next day, uh, just because they're so tough to find. But as I walked up the Canyon, then I did find a place to cross up high. And if I would have went right to that spot, uh, you know, I probably could have killed that ram. The problem was, is I had to cross the draw up above them with a bad wind blowing down the draw. Um, so I was trying to find a place to, to cross down below the draw. couldn't find it. So anyways, I walked back that night. Um, yeah, I mean, I probably should go back and try to kill that ram. He's a good shooter. I've got good video of him and he's rutting a you, but I just, um, there's a bunch of cool spots um, that I can go hunt. It's like big country, and so I just want to go explore a bit and see what else the what else the island has to offer me. And um, you know, there's some some places that I just love to hunt that I know there's giant canyons, and I know there's going to be some mouflon in there. I'm not sure if there's going to be rams, but um, I just I just want to go see and go have an adventure. Like I I I love going out there and just you just put on so many miles and um so much elevation you're just going for it and it's so hot and humid like you have to bring well over 100 ounces of water with me when I go and usually like 32 ounces will get me anywhere in Montana for a day out there you got to have so much water and um you know you got to be cognizant of heat stroke but um you know I've done my heat training and um you know with sauna and running during the hottest part of the day and I really prepared for this hunt to make sure that my body could handle the hot weather and so um yeah I'm just sending it just going for it and um man I get um I earn see I'm trying to think of how it went down or the 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 plays I got I got one play on a really nice ram and it was one of those deals 
where I spotted him. He didn't know I was there. It was a group of rams. And, um, man, I had to circle down all the way down below him and get the wind right. Had to relocate him multiple different times. He was still under the same tree. And this stock took an hour and a half of working all the way around, maybe even two hours. And I finally, I watch him bed from down below him, kept my eyes on him, and then would disappear over the back and keep him cruising country. And I I pop up and I, I catch him bedding. And these such these really small sheep, they just disappear in the grass when they bed down. So I see him bed and I make this play to go around. I've got the wind right. I come up to where he is. I wait for him to get up for... 30 minutes or so, I don't see the ram. 40 minutes goes by, I don't see the ram. I'm like, man, he's got to be right over that rise. Maybe I'll just try to get up and see if I can catch his horns or catch him. And I creep up, and man, that thing's just gone. He's just uh, disappeared and um, nowhere in sight. So um, you know, I'm like, man, where in the heck did he go? And so I look around for a bit, and I just start climbing up, and it's still like mid-morning, and then... Um, you know, I, I get up top and sit down. I'm, I'm being diligent, making sure I'm not gla- and not spooking anything. And then I catch that ram up above me. And he's with uh, uh, another ram or two. I think one other ram he's with. So it's like, oh, he must have split off because I think there was three or four of them when I first spotted him. But anyways, this, this, uh, I see this ram, and they're in a good location. And they're just feeding the two rams. And so... Um, man I crawl up and and like I say you just can't get away with anything like you have to be willing to crawl willing to conceal yourself pay attention to the noise and a tooth they're a small critter and the wind is always blowing on this island like not just blowing but nuking like this these are the toughest animals to kill not only because they're tough to spot and stalk uh, because they're so switched on but then the degree of difficulty when shooting at these things is absolutely gnarly like um you know it's always windy blowing you around it's open country so longer shots and the smallest animal alive and you're trying to make a shot so um you know i i uh uh i sneak up i see these two rams and they're in a good spot and i get to like i think i'm like maybe 80 from them or something but I've got this big rock in front of me that I can use as cover and I can just crawl to it. And um, so I'm just putting my bow in front of me and crawling and the rams are feeding out in front of me, but I'm concealed by this rock pile or this big rock that I have. I put in between me and the smaller ram and then the bigger rams kind of like over the hillside so I know I'm safe. And I crawl up to that rock and I get to my knees. And um, man, I, I see that that ram um, the big one and I get a range on him and man, he's like 45, 50, maybe he's 52 and then he walks at me or whatever. So he's 52 and, um, I draw on him there and the wind's blowing me around and I'm trying to settle in. And then that Ram, he doesn't see me draw or anything. He just puts his head down and starts walking towards me. So I'm able to let down without any of those two Rams seeing me and I'm waiting for my shot. And then he comes and gets in between this draw in between me and him. And it's a tiny draw. It doesn't even look big enough to conceal a sheep in there. It looks like maybe three foot deep at most disappears in the draw and then I I don't see him he doesn't come out he's not left or right I'm just trying not to get too excited I'm trying to stay still not get seen keep my eye on the smaller ram where the bigger ram is and all of a sudden another ram squirts out of the bottom and man I had a perfect wind I'm not sure if he caught movement or caught me like letting down my bow or if some of my wind swirled in there or what happened but then there's three rams not the two that I thought were there and the one ram squeaks out, and I'm like, man, that's not the ram. And then the big one comes racing out of there, and man, that thing, he gets up there, and then, you know, I had him at like 45 right there, and um, draw back on him again, and he's broadside, and I'm just trying to settle my pin, and about the moment my shot's getting ready to break, he starts walking off. So I let down. That's twice I've drawn on sheep now. Let down. He spooks. Don't get a shot at him. He rolls down like uh, the gig's up. I'm I'm busted. And like I say, you just can't get away with anything. You can do everything absolutely perfect with these. Like I've never had an animal. So say there's a, a mule deer or a antelope or elk or um, you know any of these animals that a coos deer, you know, whatever. And, and let's say... You know, I get in, but I've got a bunch of cover, and then I just hold still in that cover, and that animal walks up. 
Those animals don't see me. They pick up on movements. Like ungulates see movement far more than camo patterns or, or more than anything else out there. These sheep, you can hold still and you can be tucked into the cliffs or tucked into the rocks. And those things walk up and then stare right at you when they walk over the edge. They are so good at catching you. Like their eyesight is so good. Um, So, you know, it's like part of it is like the challenge is so fun. You know, here you are, here I am matching wits with one of the, the most switched on animals I've ever hunted. And it's a real challenge, which just fires me up even more. It makes me want to put on more miles and cover more country and be better on my stocks. And, you know, you just want to try to arrow one like they're mission impossible dang near, you know, and we had, um, yeah, the, th- there's a couple different rams you can shoot. So the the uh, typical ram is like the ones we're all after. They're the big mouflon sheep that grow typical horns. Well, they also have some defects in there. They're called, um, you know, they call them moo-moos. Or, uh, and moo-moos can just be like stunted horns or they can be smooth horns, like really bad genetics. And so you actually get a tag for a non-typical uh, to help kind of clean up the genetic gene pool or whatever and so you know you do get chances at these rams and the the guys did kill a couple of these moo rams or these um non-typical rams and then um yeah and then uh my buddy rob which um sheep used to be his nemesis and this guy like i want to get him on the podcast this guy has conquered tar- target panic like he had it so bad um and he's went through the right steps to shoot back tension, to shoot these releases, to execute correctly, which is so tough, like on axis deer, like hunting axis, they're always moving. And same thing with mouflon. But you get in range, that's only half the battle. Like getting the shot is so tough because just the minute you start to settle your pin, they start to move. And so they, they almost make you... Uh, have target panic because you want to make the shot go now because you've got such a slight window to get an arrow in him. But he has conquered target panic, and the guy is shooting really well. Like there's, there's one night. I don't. I think he killed. I think he killed. I think it was right before I showed up. He killed five axis deer in one day. So the guy is just shooting right now, and he's been lethal. It's like about every day he goes out, he's killing something. But he did kill a ram, and rams used to be his nemesis. He killed a great one last year, killed a good one this year, killed a moo as well. Like the guy is just hunting and shooting really well, which I'm so happy for him, and I'm so glad to see it. Like um, he he deserves it, and he earned it. And um, you know, I've been through target panic too, twenty years ago or so, or fifteen years ago that I had to conquer. It was one of the toughest things I've ever done, and I know it was really tough for him. But you know, he he's really disciplined. He's really intelligent. He dedicated himself to it, got better, and, and now he's just shooting really well and killed a good ram. So super pumped for that guy killing that ram. But we didn't, you know, out of our group of of killers, like um, you know, we usually. You know, I can't remember what we went last year, like maybe seven for eight or something like that. But I think we only killed two typical rams and a couple moomoos this trip out of eight guys. So, you know, very difficult. Uh, but Rob was one of those. So anyways, I, I bust that sheep, keep hunting and um, turn up some sheep, have some great hunts. Just having a, a ton of fun. <coughs> Sorry, I had to grab a drink there. Uh, but having a ton of fun uh, hunting this country. And, man, it's, it's like uh, my Hawaii vacation is way different than than everybody else's. Like my Hawaii vacation is to show up and instantly be thrown in the field, which is what I like, what I love anyways. But, I, you know, I, I'm ashamed to say I, I never saw the beach. I never got in the ocean. I never went swimming. Uh, I just hunt when I'm out there and there's so much travel to and from places and traveling to different islands and then you're hunting hard all day and then you get back late at night, you know, 10, 11 o'clock and you're trying to get some dinner and then go to bed all to wake up at 3.30 in the morning or I think we woke yeah, at 3.30, I think we woke up at 3 one day. So I'm pretty much running off about 
uh, four to six hours of sleep every night. Well, six would be a good night. Let's let's say three to five hours of sleep per night that I'm running on, and it's just day after day. And then you're in the heat, and you're grinding, and then you know you got to get up at three. You're making your coffee, making your lunch for the day, making your game plan, and it's I just love it. Like it's uh, it is a grind out there, and it's so fun. Like it's just as much time in the field as I can spend and it just takes everything to try to kill one of these sheep and so uh day in day out just grinding and going for it and um you know the guys were good they lined us up a rig my buddy Rob now has a rig out there lined us up a place to stay uh get a rental house out there um so yeah it's uh it's 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 nice to have like a good camp and to come back and to hear everybody's stories with these sheep and where they were hunting and sharing information and then um yeah, just keep after these things. And so um, I go out one evening and then you know, I kind of found this money spot where I got those stocks on those rams. It was um, it was happening in there. And uh, so I knew there was some rams around. And so I just had to spend the time in there. I knew I'd kill one if I just spend the time in there. And so I take off one evening and I actually have plans to go over where I had seen this ram. Uh, but I got distracted as I'm glassing across the canyon, back across the canyon and down towards the ocean, I spot a ram. And uh, he's a great ram, a good three-quarter plus, and then um, he's with uh, another smaller ram, and they're bedded in the shade of this tree. And so I'm like, right on, man, here we go. And I kind of had to wait for some ewes to cross that were headed up towards me, and so I kind of let them pass by, and then I drop down in this huge canyon and cross the canyon, get up on the other side, and I have it marked where he's at. And I start creeping up and I get up there to my spot, to my rock I have marked and I look in there in the shade of that tree and there they are. They're bedded right right in the shade of that tree. And um, actually the smaller one's up and looking around like alert. Like they're, it's like they're like uh, they're so switched. It's like they're um, like like they're on crack or something. Like these things are are. Uh, are always looking for danger. They're just like a small species. And so I think the smaller ram's looking for danger, but he doesn't know I'm there. He's not staring in my direction. The bigger ram's bedded down. I'm about 100 yards out, and um, there's this uh, kiave tree in front of me, uh, in between me and the deer. And so, you know, I'm about 100 yards out, and so, you know, like a lot of times on mule deer, you know, I think I would have crawled on a mule deer as well. So a lot of times you can use the cover of a tree, put the tree in between you and the game that you're chasing, and then you can stalk in and you're quiet on your feet because you just have your footfalls quieter than you can be crawling, uh, but they can catch movement in between the branches. And I've been busted this way on mule deer before, on axis before, and so I've learned my lesson. Like even though I have a tree or I have cover, you know, in between the branches they can catch me. And so, um, you know, I've got no rush, no hurry. I've got the ram that I want and he's bedded in front of me. And so I stick this kiave tree in between me and the ram, and then I just start crawling, and I start belly crawling in. And I get to, I get about 10 yards away from the kiave tree, but I'm kind of like in a little dip. And so, like, I'm, I'm secluded. I'm like, you know, I can get to my knees, I can look peer over like the little hillside that's there, the little rise, and I can see him and he's bedded there. And so I can sneak to the side of the tree. So I've got a clear shot at the big ram. And then the smaller ram is kind of hidden behind the Kiave tree from me. And so it's really like a perfect scenario. So I get over to the left and I, I get over there and I get to my knees. I get my bow up. I get a range on him and he's quite a poke for me. Like he's further than I want him to be. Uh, but like I say, it's open country, and these sheep are really difficult. And, um, you know, I know if I sit on my shot, I can make it. But the wind's also blowing pretty good. So I'm like 70 yards from him. And I sit there kneeled, and I'm like, man, I, I know I can make this shot if he stands. And I'm trying to, like, feel out the wind and what kind of shot it's going to be and see if he's going to stand. And I got that Kiave tree right in front of me at 10 yards, and they have no idea I'm there. And I'm like, man. I better just get to that Kiave and then, you know, I'll crawl to the left and then I'll be able to pop up on the edge of the Kiave. The smaller ram will still be covered and I'll just expose the vitals of that bigger ram or expose that ram bedded. And then when he stands, I'll have a shot at him. And so I like duck down and 
gets set again and I crawl to that Kiave and I'm just pulling myself alongside my belly. You know, I've got grass in front of me, this Kiave tree. And um, I, I get to that tree and I'm kind of trying to see the ram through the branches or whatever. And that ram is staring right at me. I was like, you know, I've got wind cover. There's no way he heard me. How could he see me like dragging my belly across the ground is like, man, an antelope wouldn't catch me doing that. Like I was just so concealed, but this ram's onto me. And so now I'm like 60 yards. I've gained the 10 more yards that I wanted to, to get inside, you know, a, a real effective range for shooting these things. And so, you know, I'm busted. It's like in these things, these mouflon, they never forget about you. Once they see danger, they're on to you. And so it's like, well, I got I got one choice. I can try to come up to my knees slowly, try to ease my bow back and and maybe arrow this ram. And uh, you know, I make it to my knees, I make the bow out in front of me and I try to draw slow and, and these these rams are just on to me. So they they blow out. <laughs> so that's my stock. It's like, oh my gosh, I cannot win. Things are so switched on. But it's still, you know, I'd located them right after starting my hunt. So, you know, I'm I'm not that far in. It's early afternoon, so it's like probably like three or four o'clock. So I know I've got all evening. And I'm in a good spot. There's rams around, you know. I busted the ram. Sure, I'd like to have it back. Or maybe I wish I would have sat there at 70 and, like, let that ram stand because he didn't know I was there. But that was going to be a tough shot to make, too. So, you know, it just is what it is. I just, um, man, I, I, I busted him. And, um, you know, I don't think I could have been better in the situation or not much I could have done different except for maybe sitting there at 70 and waiting for the shot. But... Um, still hours to go hunt and got to pick myself up and get back after it. And so, um, yeah, I just make, the I make this big long hunt and eventually, um, towards evening, a couple hours, I, I turn up, uh, you know, I turn up another Ram and he's, um, he's a shooter and he's with a few other Rams and, um, it's like, man, here I go. It's like, I found two of them in one night and, um, you know, he's a good shooter. Like, I just uh, feel really fortunate to be in this good location as they are. They have been so tough to find a mature ram. Um, but I, I'm just in the spot, and I turn up another one. And he's way down by the ocean, but um, I've got one, you know. And so, you know, I'll be coming back with my headlamp super dark, but I got to give him a go. And so they're kind of moving right to left. And uh, my, my wind's blowing down the hill, and so I have to circle around them and then kind of come up at the same elevation and get behind them and just start trailing them. And um, start trailing them. You know, I catch a glimpse of Ram, and then they're over the next rise, and then, you know, I'm not sure where they're at. They've kind of disappeared, and it's just giant country in there, and they can they can just disappear where you never see that Ram again, never see any of those Rams again. But I just kind of keep hunting in that direction. I keep my focus. and moving slow. And, um, eventually I catch these two rams over a little rise and they just, they just go up through a saddle and over the top. And it's one of those situations where I'm fairly close, like maybe a couple hundred yards away, where if I rush to that saddle, I may pop over that saddle and he's going to be right there in range. And so I do that. I pop over the saddle. I've got a good wind. I'm trying to avoid, I saw this axis buck that was right there. So I'm trying to avoid him and not have him blow into the rams. And I get up there and I can see the two rams, but it's a long shot. They're like 75, 80. And no real, like I can't really get closer where I'm at. So I decide to sneak back down over the hillside, over the rise and circle around and come right down below him with a good wind. And then there's like a place I can pop up and get view up in there. And so they're just feeding. And so I slip in and I slip down and, you know, I'm just playing the game. Like this is, um, when I'm in my element, when I'm, you know, the funnest thing to me, bow hunting is like getting a chance, like getting an opportunity, no matter what the species I'm hunting, no matter what I'm targeting, what I'm chasing, like just getting a chance, like getting to play the game. And here I am with just this stellar evening where I've already got a stock on a good Ram. Now I found another one and I'm playing the game for another hour. And now here I've got this chance on another Ram ram you know it's just just amazing and this is like that that burning fire inside me that's like so fun that i do anything to create these opportunities and here i am and so i slip up and 
I get that ram and and he's broadside and um, he's up on the hill. No idea I'm there. Well, I just passed that 70 yard shot that I thought that, you know, in hindsight, I was almost like I should have sat there at 70 and smoked that thing when he stood up. You know, I can shoot that far like uh, I can shoot accurately that far. And so, you know, I get into that similar range of like 74 or something like that and that ram's broadside. So I draw back. And um, the Rams don't know I'm there, and um, I can't get my pin anywhere close to that Ram. <laughs> it's like the wind was blowing me around so bad that I could not settle my pin on that Ram. And, you know, I'm not just going to punch one off and see where it goes, but the wind had me blowing around so much that I was just like, man, I'm not going to make this shot. And so I look around, and I, I, I let down, and I, you know, I'm concealed really well, like, down in these rock piles and in these trees and kind of in the shadows. So I'm able to let down. Ram doesn't see me. None of the other rams see me. Like, okay, I'm good. I need to get 10 more yards. Like, there's a rock pile in front of me. There's a big rock. I think I can get 10 more yards and crawl through this shade and just move really slow, and then I'll shoot him up there. And as I crawl that 10 yards, I kind of get in some wind cover from the tree. So now I'm like out of the wind, even though the rams are in the wind. Um, you know, I've got a wind block. So I get my 10 yards, get a new range on the ram. He finally gets broadside again. And now I draw back and now my pin settles. Now I don't have the wind blowing me around because that tree's blocking my wind. Settle my pin, execute my shot, put one right in that ram and hit him. And like, um, you know, I hit him such a small target like maybe four inches back of where I wanted to um a good liver shot but again these these rams they just don't bleed much you know or these animals out here on these islands they're so small and so dehydrated and and the dirt is so dry that blood trailing is really tough and so you know what I try to do on these things is I want to try to keep my eyes on them so I have the last place they were standing or I see where they go or I see where they bed well these rams take off over the hill and um you know and a lot of times it's like you know I I want to sit and wait 45 minutes or an hour and let this ram bed down and let them die uh, but I just don't want him to disappear from me. And so uh, when he runs over the hill, I make my way to that hill so I can get there and get a vantage so I can see if he comes up the other side of the canyon. I can see the other rams escape, see if he's with them. So I can just keep tabs. Maybe I can see that ram. Maybe he's bedded down there. And so, you know, I kind of get to that top and looking and I spot the other rams and they're going up the draw and I don't see the big ram with him. I'm like, oh, man. He's in between me and those rams, and then I catch him, and he's right down below me down there. And he's hurt pretty bad. He's humped up like a classic liver shot right in through there. Um, so I, I put another arrow in him and zip him and um, goes down and dies. And here I am with a, uh, a mouflon sheep, uh, a ram on a, a really tough year, uh, where ram populations are down, and um, here it is. I've, I've arrowed a mouflon sheep in these gnarly lava rock canyons. Man, it's just so awesome. Uh, it's just incredible. I got the, the ocean as the backdrop. Like, how many times do you get a bow hunting picture with the ocean as a backdrop? So I set up and get a few photos, get that ram butchered, and um, go up and meet my buddy Rob, meet everybody back at camp, but meet my buddy um, Rob, and then... Um, yeah, it's like uh, uh, I, I just uh, get to walk up with a with a big ram that I've just shot and all the meat in my pack with my headlamp and then go up to the truck and meet those guys and then share camp with the guys and um, bring home an awesome ram. So it's um, so fortunate just to be able to chase them and have the opportunity and then to kill a ram like that is amazing. So, um, yeah, we end up hunting for another another day or two out there and, um, trying to help my buddies be successful. And, um, so, uh, hunted with my buddy Sean a bit and, um, tried to help him out. We had some close encounters and man, he was close to killing a, a nice ram and he'll only shoot a, a great big ram. Um, he's killed enough of them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I had fun hunting with him and, uh, was close, but, um, that kind of ended our trip. And, um, yeah, we go back to where these guys live out on Maui. And, um, you know, I've got a couple more days at axis hunting before I've got to take off. 
And, um, you know, I've also got to get my animals butchered up and uh, frozen so I can get them in a soft cooler so I can take the meat home. So there's always like a million things to do. But, um, yeah, hunt axis while I got a couple days. These guys got me a good spot lined up. And I'm going to go try to kill a 30-inch, a, a giant axis. And um, so take that ram back. Yeah, I was um, was lucky. A uh, uh, new friend I met out there, um, one of Rob's buddies, uh, he actually took a portrait of me that I released on Instagram. Um, like he's a professional uh, photographer that takes portraits. And so he took a portrait of me and my camo with uh, an axis deer, which is really cool, and my ram. Um but he helped me out. He like took that ram and boiled the skull for me. He had killed, he had killed a muumu as well, or had killed a smaller ram. I think he killed a muumu. So he was boiling that skull, and so he offered to boil mine too, which was really nice. So he's boiling my skull. I've got uh, Rob's got a uh, uh, the, my, my buddy Janus actually built a walk-in freezer with an AC unit, and then it's got I can't remember what it's called, but it's got something the ther- thermometer will then go below, you know, in the 30s or whatever, so they can keep deer in there before they butcher them, and so they can hang them, and um, so it's really nice to have my meat all cooled down and chilled, ready for me to butcher. And I go out and hunt axis, and so I uh, got a couple days hunting axis, and um, just some good action. I started dialing in this spot, and um, so I think I'm to my last morning hunt, and um, pretty dialed on this spot. And uh, you know, it, it's like so much of the time I hunt so aggressive that I go after these deer. I hear them calling, I go for them, or uh, I see him out in the field and I try to make a stock or make a play. And that goes for Western hunting too. I'm always trying to like just get in there and go make a play. I just played it a bit smarter on these axes. Like I knew where these axes were coming from and I knew where they were betting at. And so instead of going after them with all these numbers and all these does around and bucks around, I decided to like just stay in the the thick in there or be in their beds waiting for where they're going to come to me. And I just let them walk right to me. I let the whole herd come to me with a good wind in the morning and uh, pass quite a few bucks in there looking for a, a 30 incher. And uh, wouldn't you know, there was a great big one that came up. I was like, man, that thing has got to be 30. That thing's a monster. And uh, came up. But the problem is, is I'm concealed in their bedding, but they've all like just worked into me. And so there's like a hundred axis right in front of me in bow range. 30 to 40 yards or 20 to 40 yards and I just I'm frozen I can't move and I know I can't draw on this buck even though he's walked up to 40 yards broadside if I try to draw there's a hundred eyes or more looking at me like it's gonna blow up and these deer got a little bit spooky like something was wrong something was off and a little bit of stomping and blowing and like I know they've got me you know like uh but I haven't moved they haven't seen me move And eventually one of the deer gets spooky and goes to kind of spook off. So all the deer kind of go to spook off and, you know, that's my chance, you know. And so uh, uh, they kind of get spooky, kind of spook off. I'm able to get a range on that buck. He spooks a bit and then kind of stops and then gives me a shot and gives me a 60 yard um, quartering away. Uh, Pretty broadside almost quartering away, sit on my shot. I do my job like I'm supposed to and execute and um, put a perfect arrow in that buck. Um, He ran out and um, died right in front of me. So uh, like so many trips to Hawaii and I finally killed my 30-inch buck. I've killed a giant and um, man, what a trip. It is legendary. It's like um, so fun. So uh, able to enjoy the moment, butcher that deer up, able to um, shoot my buddies a text, let them know that I've got a good one down. And then, um, yeah, we come back and I meet up with Janus. Of course, he's so happy for me. And um, he helps me, takes the meat to the to the uh, hanging locker there. And then I roll home. I'm trying to get a bunch of things done or, or roll to where I'm staying. It's not my home, but uh, roll to Robin and show him the buck. And he's super psyched for me as well. And, um, yeah, able to put a tape on it. And uh, he goes, yeah, that thing will go 30. And so we measure him up. He was 32 and a half by 31. Uh, my biggest axis to date. I'm able to get all my meat butchered up, processed, frozen in the freezer. Um, 
loaded up the next day and then um yeah able to hop on a plane and return home bring some axis meat back bring some mouflon meat back and um yeah it's just a a crazy good trip it's just uh, such fun bow hunting such great action and like when i talk about you know what i love about bow hunting the action of it and you know it's one of those the the reasons why uh, my hawaiian friends are like so good at bow hunting is they get so much experience chasing those things around making mistakes and so um same with me it's like being able to go there and get that kind of experience before my western seasons kick off and then you know i just couldn't have much more fun chasing axis or chasing mouflon around and so uh it's just an absolute ride it's like a dream trip and uh, thanks to my friends for hosting me and helping me with logistics and sharing their really good spots to hunt, sharing their knowledge. And, um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll get Sean on the podcast here. I'd love to get Rob on, on here too, or Janus, like all those guys are really good on the podcast. So I just got to hit them up. We're in different time zones. I like for Rob to talk about his target panic and how he cured it. And, um, he's just been shooting so good lately. And, um, Buddy Sean's such a great hunter. Buddy Janus is such a great hunter. Like all those guys would do good on the podcast. But yeah, we'll we'll get them on. Um, just not much time out there. It's, uh, just trying to hunt and then trying to get my few hours of sleep so I can do it all over again the next day. Uh, but uh, such a beautiful place and being able to hunt a tropic place like that is pretty cool. So um, if you guys are interested in Hawaii, like, uh, my buddy Sean has taken a few guys out, like he charges, but he's less than half the price of any other operation out there. He's got some great land. So don't message him unless you're serious about it. But if you are serious and want to line up some dates and want to hunt out there and have a similar experience, um, he's missions underscore Hawaii and you can message him out there and he'll set you up for sure. Just a, a really good guy, really good spot, super knowledgeable. So if you want to go hunt Axis out there, and um, yeah, make sure to um, shoot him a line and get it lined up, man. Couldn't line up a better trip or um, go with a better guy. So yeah, anyways, that's the solo podcast. That is my trip to Hawaii. Psyched to release this to you guys and let you know it's um, less of a therapy session today and um, more of sharing the the hunt with you. But I'm sure there'll be some therapy sessions in the future. But uh, can't wait for this season and adventure. I've been running so strong and shooting so well. And um, yeah, Western seasons kick off here soon and just can't wait to kick these legs loose and and um absolutely send it in the mountains so well, thanks you guys for listening in i appreciate it and um with that i'll check in with you guys next week